subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. So right there, we're just talking about the defensive line and really the running back position, how deep and how competent you are in those units. When you look at the other side of the spectrum, when you look at maybe how you're a little worried about some teams, we're going to go down the list of position groups. And again, if you want to jump in here, like Tommy said, feel free to on either the position group you're most worried in or concerned about or just kind of the level you're at. Let's start on offense, Tommy. We'll just go down the list. Quarterback, I've got it at a five, which might seem high, just because KJ has been injured almost every year he's been here. And I know people are more excited about Jacoby Criswell than what you had last year, Malik Hornsby, but I'm still a wait-and-see-it guy. Like, we could talk about how Jacoby's making throws in fall camp and doing this and that. I just have a feeling at some point KJ's going to go down and we're going to find Arkansas in a situation that is a little a little worrisome at that position. But your question is depth, right? And there's a reason that KJ's the starter. And you look at there's there's a natural drop off anywhere you look. And then you get beyond that, you, you think about the crisis. Now Arkansas got into three different quarterbacks last year at some point. Mm-hmm. So you know where are you where are you really at with Cade Fortin? You'll find out. Uh, Malik Singletary is uh, or Singleton rather is uh, someone that uh, you look forward to seeing at some point. But no, I'm with you. I mean KJ style lends you to believe there will be a point where Jacoby Criswell will probably get to play. You know, whether it's four or whether it's five, I, I'm not going to argue too much on whether, you know, on the concern level there. It's, it's right in the middle. I've got the offensive line at the highest at about six and a half. When you play a, I know Patrick Kudis. Is your scale Kudis. one to ten? Yes. All right. Uh, Patrick Kudis, I know they're really excited about him. Young man out of Memphis, 19 years old, playing the right tackle. And then Devin Manuel, Andrew Shambly. I'm assuming it's going to be Manuel. Assuming he's back healthy, he's going to be the left tackle. Not really worried about up the middle, but when you have a younger guy and a guy that hadn't actually played a lot at the tackle position, that is a little concerning considering you got beat pretty heavily there against LSU and some and maybe some other games you could point to this last season. That's my highest worry concern with this offense. Well, I think Chambly has proven he can play at a starter level. He spent a lot of time with the ones in camp as Devin Manuel has went down. I you know, my concern might be a little bit higher than that because you need eight or nine guys that can play. Now, you don't need eight or nine guys that can necessarily be, you know, right there as starters, but uh, are you are you that deep? I don't think that, that, you know, earlier in the camp, Sam Pippen said he thought he had ten guys that could play. Doesn't seem like we're quite to that level, so I'm no. going to put me at about a seven and a half right now. Jesse Mountainholm agrees. He is a little concerned about the offensive line. I think that's where most fans would point to and say if there's an offensive unit that you're worried about a little bit, it would be that. Wide receivers, I've got right below the offensive line at a six. I mean, 
we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, just who you lost. And you can make the case that the, what you lost was not just over the top or anything last year. But, y'all, it is so different going from D2 football or D3 or FCS or F whatever, a group of five, to play the SEC. It just is. And I know the measurables are there with Tesla, Armstrong, and Broden. And I'm excited about what Wilson or what Jane Wilson and what Isaiah Satania could be and then Bryce Stevens as well. But it's still an area that you have to look at and say, I'm not 100% confident in heading into this fall. Everyone that I know that's had eyes on him, it's, it's less worried, including some former players that played the position that seem to have less concern about the wide receivers. If there's a concern, it's about being able to get separation and get off of the of the line of scrimmage, particularly when you're going to face the better defensive backs. I'm going to put mine uh, level of... Uh, what are we describing this as? I'm going to put it at a seven. Worry meter. Is that what you got it? Is that what you're calling it? The, the worry meter. Yes. Tight end, I've got as a five. Uh, Luke has, I think, is going to be a playmaker here at Arkansas. That's, I mean, you can listen to coaches. You can listen to other players describe him. He probably is going to end up starting. I say probably. I would not be surprised at all if we see him game one in 11 days against Western Carolina. Not just start, but play significant minutes. You've got gums there. We're still waiting on the status of Nathan. Backs. Francis Sherman is the transfer in from Louisville as well. Ty Washington apparently has had a good camp. So I, five might honestly be a little high, but it's again, it's the unknown factor. It's like you don't have a ton of experience there, at least that had played downs at Arkansas. But I think there's again some some guys that you should be excited about. So maybe I'm changing mid thought and maybe a fourth and five, honestly. Uh, this is next to running backs, the least area of concern for me because uh, A. We'll see what kind of scheme. I think as the year goes on, we'll see more two tight end sets. I think they really got something with tight ends this year. I think they're deep there. They all have uh, both sets of skills you're looking for. Uh, Some are better than others at blocking versus pass catching, but I think they're going to be really good at tight ends. I'm going to put that at a three. I've got running backs as a one. You've got an All-American starter. You've got a guy that you're really confident in, A.J. Green. You've got a really good pass catcher in Rashad DeBinion. You've got Dominique Johnson coming off an injury who you're excited to see back who looks better this point than he did at this point last year. So that's the least concerning unit to me on offense, and I don't think it's close. I uh, I'm at a zero <laughs> on concern. Even better, you, you've got you've, you know you you went through the the players there, and it starts with Rocket, but then you go to AJ to Benyon Johnson. I mean, um, there I mean there is drop off, but there's not a ton of drop off, and there's there's multiple players on this team that can start at other SEC programs. I'm I'm at a zero with running backs. Shifting to defense, your defensive ends I've got as a two right behind the offense, or excuse me, right behind the running back situation. We just, last segment, we're talking about how stacked they are on the defensive line. We'll get a lot of seniors, nine seniors on the defensive line, but I think your end production is going to be really, really fun to watch this year. Yeah, and uh, defensive line is going to be that area that you hope it can be, uh, when we talk about it at the end of the year, which, which unit's better, running backs or defensive line? Uh, maybe those are the two in the conversation. Preseason right now, that that would be the, the two you would probably pit against each other. So I just worry that there's always a group that has lofty expectations that either injuries or just got into SEC play and it didn't pan out. 
I hope the defensive line isn't that because if there's a group that has to be good this year, is the defensive line. Defensive tackles, I've got down as a five. Um, you've got, again, Torian Carter, Campbell, and some other guys back, but they're still thin there relative to, I think, some some other places at that point. Not as thin as they were last year, but I've got that as a five. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm in like the two or three range. We're talking about the ends, and now just, I was kind of lumping them there together. I'm ready to see Torian Carter play. You know, I'm ready to see some of those guys, Campbell, in the middle, uh, you know, go and. Um, you know, we heard from Eric Gregory earlier in the show. Those are some some great interior linemen that they've got to have that rotation. You need that nasty guy like you're, we were talking yesterday about Jordan Davis, the old Georgia guy that's up at, uh, with the Eagles now. So you need a, you need some players like that that can get inside and just manhandle and control that a gap. We'll see if Arkansas's got that kind of guy. We know we got you got Jeff Coat and Jackson on the ends. Let's see who in the middle can be run stoppers. Linebackers I've got also at a five. I think you love Chris Paul Jr. And then there's some other guys you brought in like Jaheim Thomas and Antonio Greer. Um, Jordan Crook started in the bowl game. They're really high on the, the true freshman. I think it's Brad Spence. But there are, again, some good questions at this point because there's not a lot of experience this year. When you lost Drew Sanders, you lost Bumper Pool two years ago. Of course, you lost Grant Morgan and Hayden Henry. That's why I've got the linebackers right now. Yeah, and everything you'd like at five. I'm like at a nine with linebackers. I mean, I'm... You've got a high? Oh, yeah, okay. I mean, there's, there's not a ton of depth there, not a ton of proven depth. This has been an area the coaches have, have been concerned about. This is an area that Sam Pittman talked about. Hey, coming into camp... Depth at linebacker and how deep we can go there is a is a concern, you know. So yeah, that that's an area until proven otherwise. I got a lot of concern about where we're at with linebacker. Cornerbacks I've got at a four, and again we're separating the cornerbacks and safety. Safeties I've got at a seven. I think they're going to end up starting Walcott and Clark in the back end, and then I think you've got some cornerback depth even with the loss of and I say expected loss. We haven't got a confirmation yet if Quincy McAdoo is going to play or not. It's just expected from at least our vantage point that he's not going to play this he's year. Playing. Hmm. Not early, not anytime soon. I I can't wait. He hadn't even, his name hadn't even uttered, so I, yeah, I'd take him out of the mix. I don't think uh, he's that. I, I, again, until they get some of these positions set, I'm not overly concerned. I think they got options on how they shift this around. They got this this hog position uh, that that's kind of going to be the nickel. So I, I'm I'm at about a four. Three or four with with the uh, with the corners. Uh, kicker, I've got at a three. Cam Little has been apparently banging them in practice. I, you, you, again, everyone remembers Cam missing that field goal against Texas A&M. Guys, he went thirteen for sixteen last year. He has a chance to break the all-time percentage record at Arkansas, which would be pretty impressive considering there's another guy named Steve Little, Todd Latterad, and some other guys that have kicked on campus here. So, to me, I'm not really that concerned at this point. Kickers are just a weird deal. I mean, they miss one, their their psyche and their confidence goes the other way. It didn't really seem to affect Cam that much this past season, so I've got it at low at a three. So if Cam had a hamstring problem or some kind of issue, who, who would kick then? That's that's why he, I might be a little bit higher than a three. Yeah, and he is taking kickoffs. to the I, yeah. Last time I checked, Sam Pittman said he, he either was winning that job or won that he job. He said that Saturday. So yeah. that is something else. Max Fletcher, Max was inconsistent last year. Young freshman coming over from Australia. I know it's got to be Again, an acclimation theme. Hopefully his sophomore season, he'll 
dominate this year. I mean, apparently he was a practice warrior. That's what we've heard. Now, you've got to translate that to games at this point, and hopefully he does that. I've got it high to seven because, again, I, I didn't think your punting was great at all last year. You saw him and Reed Bauer kind of go back and forth. I think that has a quick chance to go down and be less worrisome, but I've got that all the way up at a seven. Hopefully we don't know much about the punters till later on in the year. Hopefully these first few ball games you're not punting uh, a, a terrible amount of time, so maybe one or two times a game. But uh, yeah, that's a reasonable concern, and uh, that's an area that you know we heard from Scott Fountain a couple of weeks ago, but probably an area we need an update on is, is some of that. Sam touched on some of that Saturday, but need maybe a deeper dive on some of that. Last thing, uh, kick returner, punt returner. You were pretty solid in punt return last year. Bryce Stevens a big part of that. You were top 45. Kick returner, though, you were outside the top 100. You don't get a lot of kick returns, as we were talking about yesterday. I've got that as a three, whether it's Satania, Stevens, Snacks, Johnson, whoever's going to be taking kickoffs back. You need an element there to boost you. Arkansas, again, with the offense, you're expecting to have big spray. If you can add special teams field position to that, it's going to make it that much easier for Dan Enos and K.J. Jefferson. But who do you think will win the punt return job? The, the kickoff return job, I think it's, like we said, marginalized out by the by the rules. Uh, going to be a lot of touchbacks. So, uh, punt return, to me, is the one that, in the return game to really focus on. Is that, is that going to be Bryce Stevens? Is that going to be Satania? Uh, when he talked about that, he being Sam Pittman on Saturday, it was the kickoff return uh, we are discussing Snacks Johnson was also in that mix. I don't know that he's in the mix, though, necessarily for um, for punt return. I'm not sure who the, you know, I think I think Satania and Bryce Stevens are the two they have back there or have had in most of the games. Yeah, I would say that Stevens probably has the upper hand from the standpoint of he did it last year. He had the huge punt return in the Missouri State game, and he, again, they did it. I just mentioned the stat. He did. It's not like he was bad last year. They did a pretty good job, yeah. top 45. So uh, I don't know what Sam Pittman's thinking. Maybe we'll see kind of a game-to-game feel. Maybe if, if Stevens didn't get a good jump, they throw Satania in there or vice versa. I think you could see a, between those two guys, you could see both of them return punts last year yeah so I mean, this that, year excuse me we'll uh we'll kind of see that's that's been an area that uh probably hadn't spent enough time on focusing all right that's a look at uh, some of those position groups and kind of where our thoughts are do you want to mention the uh tragic news once again of reggie cheney passing away, away at the age of 23 that was announced at some point yesterday i think uh joseph duarte from the houston chronicle was the the first one to 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 make that news that uh former razorback again there's no details at this point in time on what happened uh he was set to play professional basketball in greece after a really good season for the cougars and kelvin sampson but again i feel like a broken record at this point that i'm having to get on air this morning and talk about a razorback connection that is no longer with us and again tommy he was just 23 years old and uh, you know you know a lot of recent memories with him just played two years was in that kind of saddled the uh the transition from anderson to musselman but uh um, Scotty Thurman, who was on staff and recruited Reggie Cheney to Fayetteville, uh, put a statement out on Twitter last night, or X, whatever we call it now, and uh, he had a he had a relationship that he described in that that tweet as uh, big brother, little brother, as uh, how he described described it in their relationship. So um, again, I, I you know you just wonder what is up with uh, with all of this 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 poor run we've had here bad run i mean that's kind of a good way to describe what we've had to uh, to endure as a fan base here with all of our uh, connections and loved ones here that, that's passed on our heroes yeah for uh for reggie's family for his teammates for 
Mike Anderson, Eric Musselman, you mentioned Scotty Thurman, uh, Matt Zimmerman, anyone else that was involved in the recruiting process and or got to know Reggie in some way, shape, or form. Again, our hearts are, are out for you this morning. I know, I know that is uh, is something that I mean. We, we mentioned Alex was set to turn 29. He's set to he was set to turn 29 this Saturday. We mentioned uh, Reggie being 23 years old. Ryan was just 30 something years old. I mean, these are these are guys that were are gone well before their time. I mean, Charles was just 60 years old. It's not like some Keith was just 60 years old. It's not like some of these deaths are in like the 80s, 90s. It's it's yeah. way before the, no, you're right. the expectation. You're right, several of them, but, you know, when you're, you're under 40, it's certainly, uh, you know, you, you didn't, uh, it, it's certainly surprising. We don't have any details yet mm-hmm. on what happened with Reggie Cheney and whether this was you know, an accident similar to what we saw with Alex Collins, or if it was a different set of circumstances, we just don't know. But uh, I'm sure those details will be coming out in the next day or so. Yeah, we'll make sure to share them with you here on the Morning Rush when we do get them at some point in time. All right, yesterday was the first day of class for the Arkansas football players and the rest of the student-athletes on campus. So... Just some advice that we could give these guys. I know that, listen, you and me were both... Syllabus week, and that's what yeah, they call it. You get syllabus. syllabus. They still give out syllabus. It's a joke. I mean, it's it's high school, same way, middle school, elementary, whatever. I know you and me were scholars in our middle school, high school, and college day. Our GPA barely, barely sunk under a 2.5. It was right, right, just right below that, which is, again, high-value expectation when it comes to academia. Your advice for the first day of class for any 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 student in any line, elementary, middle school, high school, college, what, what is some advice that Professor Kraft would have? Well, show up and be on time. Okay. First of all, like, like you say, uh, I had that big, down. Big, figure out where the room, on, in college, I guess, you know, like my kids are going to middle school, my youngest, she's, uh, you know, getting settled into the school for the first time. It's, uh, you know, first time she's had to change classes going from elementary to middle school. So just trying to figure out where the classes are at. Yeah. In college, totally different deal because you I mean you may be moving from one building all the way across you may have to ride a bus at Fayetteville to get to your next one you you know you got to figure out your route and what you're going to do so that'd be my advice for the first week but if you if you notice figure out who you want to sit around where you're going to sit because generally people sit in the same seat around the same people for the entire semester it just becomes habit next it's kind of like going to church you sit in the same pew and then you walk in and you know, there's some visitor there that's never been there before. How dare they sit in my seat? You know, okay. So, I mean, you, you got to be careful about who you uh, choose to sit by in week one. The cute girl in, in class, right? That'd that's, be good that, advice. That's the ideal seating advice. Yeah. Is it bad that I'm not a huge fan of when the pastor gets up there on the pew and says, "Introduce yourself to the people around you." That's what. Uh, that's my pew, least. Have, that's my the pulpit. Yeah, the pulpit. That's my least favorite part of any. Well, you don't like service. people. You hate people. No, What's I just. Wrong? I just get social anxiety. I feel that's like one of the few places I feel uncomfortable at that point in time. I greeting I the neighbor, making yes, them feel welcome in the church. I hate that so much. You're bringing hatred into the church? I'm not saying I'm bringing hatred. I just hate that aspect of the church service. That is my least favorite part. Just sit there and don't say hi to anybody? No, I I force myself to to speak up at, at that point. I'm just not a fan. At that point, and I've, it's been in, I think, almost every church service I've been into, regardless of the uh, the church itself. That's just not a not a fan of that. 
All right. So, here, so, the, so the professor should do that now? Hey, everybody get up and greet your neighbor next to you? Well, that's, again... While we play a hymn? That's, <laughs> you're setting yourself up, potentially, to, to talk to that cute girl sitting next to you. So I think it's a good day. Here's what I had down. You mentioned being on time. Uh... My dad always had. By the way, Scott on the McClarty Daniel Hotline says it's an uncomfortable social situation for you because you haven't been drinking. Well, Scott, how do we know he wasn't drinking That's, in class? How do we really know? In that? class, I yeah. didn't. Drink. I would never. I never showed up to a class drunk at any point during my well, time at the University majors. of Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, or church either. I mean, I need to make sure we have that asterisk in there as well. That would be very. That'd be very distasteful. My dad always told me to sit in the front. Did Did Father Crafts when you were in high school. Uh, he didn't advise that, that. Okay. My dad always encouraged me to sit in the front two rows. Um, you take good notes, so just in case that cute girl is out one day, you can give them. Don't sleep in. You mentioned being on time. Don't sleep in. Make sure that alarm... I, I set three different alarms every morning to get here in time, just to make sure. Um, you mentioned the making friends aspect. I think that's a good one. What about introducing yourself to the teacher? Did you do that in high school or middle school in elementary, or did you just... You got in trouble no. a lot, so you just naturally got introduced to the teacher and the principal. And whatever. I never had a lot of those college courses where you were one of three or four hundred. I mean, I went to I went to Redneck Tech, so I mean, it, you know, fifty or sixty was a big classroom. So most of my classes had thirty or less. Okay. So it wasn't hard to get to know who you were in class with and who your professor. I didn't have that experience. Probably you had in some. Now there were a few freshman year. Uh, like English one, English two, you might have a few more in there, but yeah. but other other than that, the it big was campus wide class that uh, all the freshmen had to, yeah. to take at that it point. Had a lot of that. Yeah. Well, we did get a couple texts in the McCarty Daniel hotline. Eric and Fayetteville and JW both agree with me that that's their least favorite time during the church service as well. Is doing that. I figured yours when they pass the offering plate. I have mine auto set um, from to, to withdraw. I have everything auto paid on my bank account, and it's just deducts it each month. It's easier to do that way than have to do it. That was something my dad taught me to do yeah. back in the day. Auto pay then. Yeah, yeah auto pay. It's yeah. and it's right there. It's convenient, and you never um, if you miss if you miss service or whatever, you don't feel like that. Oh, I got to double it next time. It just. Auto debits out of the account. So what else should they uh, know week one? What else should they be doing week Uh, one? I'd say look over the syllabus. Because when you look over the syllabus, you don't necessarily get this much in high school, but you can set up when your tests are, when your papers are due and all that. I mean, you, you work with me. You know how... Mike Stinson, my planner, is I try and plan things out throughout the year, and I don't like procrastinating for the most part. I like kind of doing a little work on stuff. If I have a long project to do each day, so I would say look over the syllabus, too. All right. Maybe find your book. <laughs> yeah. That might be the other thing you want to do week one. Do I need a book? How much is it going to cost me? It's 400 bucks. Oh. Those, those books are 400 or 500 Now bucks. you don't even have to get a physical book. Is it all download? Probably. I, I think it's changed mm. to that point. Fall season is just around the corner, and I know all of us are looking for that wholesome, convenient meal. We'll look no further than Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. They can help you with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door. And right now, use the code HTL50. Head to factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off. That's code HTL50 at factormeals.com. 
Factor.com to get 50% off thanks to Hit That Line. The great thing about Factor, over 34 weekly prepared meals that you can choose from. Plus, you don't have to run around to worry about where you're getting lunch. Let Factor take care of it for you. Let me tell you the code one more time to help you get 50% off. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Before, Bruce, we get to Tommy's coaching rankings again, Bruce Dan to Pradco Fishing with us. If you looked at the position group at Arkansas, you're just not necessarily worried about, but you have the most questions about what would it be? I the mean, football team. It, it had to be uh, secondary. It had to be pass defense just based on what happened last year. And uh, you got a lot of new faces coming in. So, you know. New coaches. Yeah. As an outsider, I would say I'd be more secondary at this point. That. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a. You're a pass happy league, you know. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see if, uh, again, you play some decent quarterbacks this year, but we'll see if it shifts back to, to run at this point. I know that's been a thought that has been echoed and shared on this show. I don't know if it's going to be different in the East and the West. I, you probably saw Carson Beck's been named the starting quarterback yeah. at Georgia, which I think people expected it to be named at that point. But we'll see what happens uh, with the South Carolina Conference when it comes to the balance. Of this league. All right, Tommy, you ready for your coaching race? Let's do it. All right, let's get into our Pradco Pyramid of Power. Who are the best coaches in the SEC? SEC! SEC! Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power. So, how far down do we have to go before we have an interesting conversation? Uh, how far down do we need to we'll go in this? Probably we'll get, to get, when we get to about here. fourth. We'll have an interesting okay. conversation. So we all agree Saban's at the top of the pyramid. There's really no discussion, right? Uh, Is he? I don't, I don't think so. Well, who do you have? Well, I got Kirby. You got Kirby? I got I, Nick I, and then I, Kirby. I'm basing it on, like, now. Okay. I'm not going back. You know, he's got seven natties, but, I, you know, 
this isn't a career achievement. This is Praco Pyramid of Power. Well, who's on who's on top right now? Kirby. Twelve straight top ten finishes. Uh, Two straight national championships, yeah. including beating Nick on the way to. I, I, I wouldn't argue either way. I got saving at the top. Kirby Smart say. I mean, Nick wants more money. Eleven point seven versus. I was looking to. I was looking up Kirby. Kirby was born like December twenty third of seventy. He's like a week older oh, than me. Wow. He's worth twenty five million according to uh, to the internet. So that's yeah. true. And I'm like, well, what am I doing here? You know. Yeah. So, when you Google uh, Tommy Net Worth, what does it say? It did uh, Tommy who? <laughs> that's what it says. <laughs> which Tommy you're referring to? Which and which which fishing net and which boat are you wanting to know what it's worth? Seventeen forty four at Walmart. That's what it's worth. His net worth, the fishing net worth. Yeah. All right. So Saban one, Smart two, one one A, whatever you want to say. All right. Yeah. Number three, I've got Brian Kelly there. That's who I got. All right. So we agree there. So we're, we're pretty much on the same same wavelength here. Um, Twenty years in FBS. He, this guy's been a program builder and a winner everywhere he's been. It's hard to say at LSU, um, you know, that he's had overwhelming success. Yeah, but he's only had one year, and it's it started rough and it finished pretty good. Uh, finished pretty great, in fact. I, I've got Brian Kelly as three. Two college football playoff appearances in his career. 0 for 2 there, but I think Brian Kelly's a football coach. Yeah, and you know, even going back to Grand Valley State, he won back-to-back national championships at the D2 level. You know, you think about people like Nolan Richardson mm-hmm. that won a JUCO national championship, won an NIT, won everywhere he was. You like seeing that in your coach, an established head coach. He's won everywhere he's been. Is he going to win a national championship at LSU based on what the last three guys have done, you'd have to think he will. All right, Pradco Pyramid of Power talking head coaches this week. Saban, Smart, Kelly, one, two, three. We're, we're kind of flipping around one and one A here with Smart and Saban. All right, here's where I think the conversation turns interesting. We kind of got the, the cream off the top here. Now we can get down to some argument, some arguments probably. Number four, I got Hugh Freeze. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I got him at five. Okay. I, I think he's a heck of a coach. So who do you have it for? Because probably the same one. I, I got Lane Kiffin. Don't say Mark Stoops. No. I got Josh Heupel. You got Heupel? He's got the number got one him. offense in the country, number one scoring offense in the country. He's coming off 11-2. and two. He's got the program on the right trajectory. Yeah. Why not Why not Mark Stoops over there from the from the peanut gallery? Well, Mark should be in the top well, six. Well, I've got Mark Stoops. He should so be okay. in the top six. He's the winningest coach. He's won at Kentucky, two 10-win seasons. He yep. should be in the top So six. I got Freeze, Kiffin, Stoops on my uh, third level there in that order. Four, five, and I six. I got Apple Free Stoops. Okay. So, I mean... Freeze, we saw it last year for standing favor. This guy's going to be good. And I think for people that think Auburn is going to be one you can roll over this year, I think that's going to be a highly difficult game to win for the Razorbacks. I think I think Auburn may not win as many games as, as what we're probably talking about in this conversation, but I think they're going to make a lot of those games a challenge. They may only win seven, six, seven ball games this year, but they're coming. And I think, I think Auburn, we've already seen it recruiting at Auburn. They're going to be... Uh, they're going to be in that 9-10 win range more than they're going to yeah. be in that 6-7 or seven win range. Well, this is football coaching. Yeah, this, football isn't, coach. this isn't who you have in your cell phone, what you may have in Tampa, Florida, mm-hmm. in your uh, cell phone uh, directory. This is I beat Nick Saban twice at Ole Miss. This is I beat Arkansas last year when I was at Liberty. This, this guy is a football coach. I got Lane Kiffin next. Where did you have Lane? Adam Seventh. Yeah, he's a little further down. So I, I had Lane Kiffin next. I mean, he's, he's proven winner. Yeah, and 
I guess former Tennessee coach. Where I, right. I figured that, I figured that boost him up a notch well, or two with you. He's moved around a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. To me, it's a personality thing, and and he's just not one. What I would say is a championship type victory yet. I mean, I don't. Think but he's he, always flirting with ten he wins. He hadn't beaten uh, Saban yet, so yeah. that kind of moved him down a notch. I, I think everybody else on my list, top five's beaten Saban. Uh, but yeah, he's he's won ten games at Ole Miss, yeah. and uh, Freeze did that too. Uh, number eight in total offense last year. He's he's sharp guy. So then we uh, moved to six. I think we agree there. Mark Stoops is who I got in the number six position. You win ten games uh, twice at Kentucky in a three year period. You're a football. Yeah, coach. I think I think Mark Stoops is. Uh, I, I think you put him in a different situation, more recruiting grounds, out of the shadow of a basketball, historic basketball program. Mark Stoops at any of these other programs we discussed he makes as a winner. Eight point six mil a year to coach football at Kentucky. Why would you go anywhere else? Eight point six mil at Kentucky, and and nobody Win seven cares. or eight, and you're, nobody, you're a hero. Nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. yeah, not big enough pressure at this point. Yeah. So then I've got. Then you, you you know we're just kind of moving out of the pyramid and where you go there. Where do you put Jimbo? I mean, and I know you're. I've got him down a little further, and you you think a coach with a national title would be somewhere in the top six, but I've got Jimbo a little further down the list. Yeah, nice. You know, he, he has one championship, hundred twenty two and forty four, thirty nine twenty one at A and M. The recruiting, you know, just based on the stats, you you can't argue. I mean. Everybody's hung up on five and seven last year, mm-hmm. but you take that away. I mean, he's had a good record at Texas A&M. They are when you look at the talent on that roster relative to the ending record is probably one of the worst coach teams in all of college football. I'll say That's this: what? I want his lawyer negotiating deals for me. That's the best buyout in the history of buyout. You can leave no buyout. <laughs> I again get fired, get all the money. They, yeah. they had the COVID. That's year. called leverage. Yeah. Called leverage. They had the COVID year where the only loss was to Alabama. It was pretty close, if I remember. They only lost one game all year. But outside of that, there hasn't been a banner year since he's been in College Station. So they beat Alabama, which is great. But they didn't really do anything else outside of that win that year. So I just, I mean, again, he's probably the most overhyped, overrated coach in all of college football. So I had Fisher seven, Heupel eight, Pittman nine. So what does Pittman have to do to crack the top six? That's what our fans are asking. I got, well, I got Pittman ten right behind Beamer just because okay. I thought Beamer had Beamer next. He won, he won back to back top ten games last year against Tennessee and Clemson. That had never been done at South Carolina. And uh, just seemed like he's on a little better trajectory going into this year than Pittman. I had Pittman ten. Well, he, he, here's what Pittman's got to beat Bama. Pittman's got to Pittman's got to beat one of the top two teams in this program to move up in that top six. And they can, uh, I think they can do it again. I have them beating Alabama. I think they, I mean, they only lost by three to Brian Kelly's first team in LSU. Hugh Freeze, you lost him at Liberty last year. You could beat him at home in Auburn, get a little revenge. And then Lane Kiffin, he's two, he's taking two or three against Kiffin. There's a great chance he could do it three or four this year in, in Oxford. So I, I mean, I would say the Alabama aspect, Tommy's how to get him in the top six. Got, got to win. And, and to me, it's beat Bama or Georgia. And Bama's on your schedule. Georgia's not unless you 
probably beat Bama. <laughs> if he didn't made it to Atlanta, he'd have a chance to double dip there. And, but you, you got to beat these teams we're talking about at the top. I mean, that, that's well, that's why, what's got to be done he, to get why there. Why is Hugh Freeze in the top five? Because he's beating he beat Alabama exactly. twice. You got, you got to beat Alabama to, to get in the top six. Yeah. They could, that will be a better game than people think this year. I'm betting whatever the line is when Alabama's favored by double digits that game, I'm going to take that's, I'm going to take that's Auburn. That's usually a good game. Yeah. I mean, a couple yeah. of years ago, Auburn shouldn't even have been in the game, and mm-hmm. it was a game to the last play. All right, I got Beamer at 10. Is that where you had Beamer? I got him at 9, and I got Pittman at 10. Okay, Pittman at 10. So I've got, I got uh, Heupel at 8. Million. They're paid the same. Yeah, I got Heupel at 8, Pittman at 9, Beamer at 10. Then I go Drakowitz, Clark Lee, Zach Arnett, just because we don't know. And I got Billy Napier last. I, I was close. I did Clark Lee. He went five and seven last year. He beat Kentucky, which is better Florida. than we probably give him credit I, for. I, you do that at Vanderbilt, you deserve a lot of credit. Uh, I had Napier next. I had Eli at thirteen. I, I put Arnett fourteen just because okay. he's coached one game. Yeah, I mean, I, I had him. At, I just say Billy Napier goes at the bottom because of what he didn't do at a place like Florida, where you six and seven. He'll be gone after this six year. Six and seven is unacceptable. Might be gone. Might I mean, be gone mid- if, he goes, if he goes seven and six this year or worse, he's fired. Napier's at the bottom for the same reason Clark Lee's not at the bottom. Yeah, Clark I mean, Lee doing doing more with less. He's five, done less with more. Winning two SEC games at Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's that's like going seven and one. With half the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see that they're playing in? You probably know what Nashville High School Stadium. They're well, playing I saw that. Then I heard Phil talking about this. No, I think I, they're they're going to play because I heard um, play at Vanderbilt. The national guys talking about this Saturday. So I, I'm not sure which way. Then Phil and I went to an MSN article yesterday, and they're talking about what they're going to. Do and where people are going to have to dress, and so I'm not sure what they're doing. They off, weren't they? Just play at the. There, there was a plan at one point to play at uh, play at one of the local high schools this one game and then move back over there. But I think they're they're going to move forward with a plan to actually play on campus with like a really revised game day plan. Yeah. So, so the six thousand Vanderbilt fans that show up, that's pretty normal. They said it would hold twenty eight the way it's going to be configured. But they they won't get twenty eight hundred, much less twenty eight thousand. Hawaii, right? Yeah. So they'll have five people there. Yeah. A couple of parents will fly over. Or they're the ones that live domestic. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, it's going to be a uh, – of course, Arkansas has been through this. Bama went through this 20 years ago. When you when you add on to your stadium, it's hard to complete it between seasons. Texas A&M is the one that they tore down half their stadium, rebuilt it back in one off season. But when you spend $500 million, you know, you can kind of get, get some things done. So, anyway, that's our Pradco Pyramid of Power head coaches. Saban at one, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly, Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, and Mark Stoops, the top six in our Pradco Pyramid of Power. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. 
Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. A special treat for y'all coming up at 12 o'clock today on halftime for his first appearance with Matt Jones. This guy, Coach Houston Nutt, is going to be back with his old quarterback. that was a speech that uh, Matt was not a part of. It was Coach Nutt's first game, but he was part of many, many locker room speeches. Good times, of course, the SEC championship appearance in, in 2002, beating Texas and Austin in 2003. And I'm really excited. Tommy, I've uh, I marked it down. I'm listening to that one live today, man. Yeah, that'll be fun. And uh, appointment radio, for sure. I mean, always is every day for halftime, but uh, that, that kind of ramps it up a little bit today. Catch up with Coach a little bit. Yeah, if, you, if you don't well, get the Hall of Honor that he's going into in a yes, couple of weeks. that will be the, the Friday night before him and uh, his old tailback, Felix Jones. Uh, that will be the Friday night before the Kent State game, Tommy. So that's the the 8th yep. um, in the, uh, the whatever the Dixon Street thing jig is, the, the nice... Walton Arts Center? Yeah, the Walton Arts Center. Um, that's uh, that's happening that Friday night before at that point. So excited to hear from Coach Nutt. If you can't get a chance, if you don't get a chance to listen to it later on at 12, it'll be in the halftime podcast presented by Eastside Liquor. Rocket Sanders has been named a AP All-American second teamer. Quinshot Judkins and Blake Corm out of Michigan got the first team selections, but Rocket, not just an All-SEC guy, but listed as an All-American. Tommy. Well, and uh, not surprised. When you're amongst the best at your position, one or two in a league like the SEC, you're going to be on a lot of All-American lists. And that's that's exactly where Rocket's at. He's he considered first or second back in this league, depending on, on who you're asking. He finds himself there once again. Do have some uh, sad news to share this morning. At the age of 23, year old, 23 years old, Reggie Chaney died. Uh, either It was either yesterday or earlier this week. I haven't gotten a lot of details on this at, at this point in time, but uh, Tommy, a former Razorback, I know Eric Musselman had some really positive things to say about Reggie Chaney, as did many of his teammates. It's just a, a, a tough situation. Here's Muss. The Razorback men's basketball team is devastated to hear the loss of Reggie Chaney. He was a relentless worker and loved by his teammates. His family is in our thoughts and prayers. Yeah, he straddled that last year for Anderson, his freshman year, his sophomore year was the first year for Must, and played, what, three more years, I guess, at uh, at Houston, and was set to play some professional ball in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, just 23 years old, so uh, we'll uh, we'll report when we get more details, and, and maybe Phil and Matt have more of them as, as the story unfolds. We haven't seen any more this morning uh, that we can go with, but uh, yeah, just, a, just another tragic story that we're seemingly uh, talking about every day here on the morning rush mm-hmm. yep. Some, something that's happened that's uh that that is a sad story and again reggie cheney passing away at the age of 23 yeah again that's uh unfortunately having to keep bringing these up at this point in time some razorback connection past former present and hopefully this uh this stops at this point because i don't know how much more of arkansas fans can can take these stories like this that is going to do it for your hog update this morning it's brought to you by our friends at mr sparky you don't have to put up with any malarkey call 888 8 Sparky.
We've talked about our perfect days before, what we visualize as being just an electric, incredible day. If we could just plan it out, no work, no kids, whatever, this is what we do. Well, Sam Pittman was asked about that by Marty and McGee. Here is how he described his perfect day at SEC Media Days. Well, I wish my wife learned how to use that new fancy coffee machine I have. Because there's an hour and 15 minutes that I got to take her down to Starbucks. So that'd be the perfect part of that. I'd sleep in a little bit later. Okay? But this fancy machine don't know how to work it. So that would be part of it. Then I'd come back. Man, if I could go buy Popeye's and give me one of them $25 buckets and they got a sandwich two sandwiches in there and then come out and have a soul cold beer got to and then i'd get in on the boat if i get on the boat i'd be touring around for a minute and there's about eight or nine places you can get off your boat and eat i'd probably go over sam's pizza and throw down a piece of pizza or two and then i'd come back and it'd be about six o'clock i'd jump in the pool Hey, you want to hear the fight song? They come set in my pool. They grab every, you know, the fight song as they come by the hogs. I do that until about time to, I'm a little older than I used to be. Maybe about 9, 9.30. It'd be, let's call it a day. Boys. Up, check. But uh, that'd be perfect. And then the next day, I'd like to do it all over again. And that isn't the darndest best day that you could visualize out there being on Lake Hamilton eating some fried chicken, drinking some beer. Sam's Pizza is fantastic. You'll pick it up by boat side. I, I can't think of a better day than how he just framed his perfect day. You've been to Sam's Pizza? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've not been there by boat, but I've been there by car. Mm-hmm. And, uh, good eats at Sam's, yeah, Sam's well, Pizza. you got to be careful, Tommy, because uh, when you're out on the lake and you've had a few and you get up on the dock and they're giving you the pizza and stuff, the last thing you want to do is trip or fall or let the pizza go. So you've got to be, again... You sound like you're speaking from experience. I'm absolutely speaking of experience. You, you just, put the pizza in the water? I, well, I, I got close. Like, it fell into the boat, um, really? but it did not fall into the water at that point. So just, if you do that, any dockside, portside, whatever... I, I, like, I hadn't been there by boat, but it, looked, it looks like one of those places I've been out on the, mm-hmm. the, the, the dock there... You better kind of know where you're going to get to uh, to get to Sam's. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a, you're on the water. It's kind of tucked away. You got to know where you're going if you're driving to Sam's too. So it's um, it's it's off the beaten path a little bit. It's tucked away a little bit. You think about some of the the harbor and the and like the different restaurants. I always think that's just a cool aspect. Whether it's Hamilton, Beaver, Washita, whatever. Well, most I'll, of those places don't have a lot of restaurants because they're core lakes. I mean, that's what makes Hamilton special. Is you do have you know some of the places you can get out of your boat and go eat. I wish more of our lakes in our, our state had that, other than just the uh, you know the marinas that have a you know, deli or whatever. And maybe that's what I'm thinking is the the, the marina part of it because yeah. it's like when you drive up and there's a restaurant attached to the the dock or whatever. But I, it's it's We're a talking cool, real restaurants. Yeah, it's a cool uh, it's a cool part. I, yeah. I I enjoy getting to get a chance to go to that at this point. I did not go to the lake once this summer. Kind of, we just had too much going on this summer. I didn't get it. You went to the lake once or twice, didn't you? Went to Bull Shoals. Or did you go? Norfolk. Norfolk. Uh, probably a few more times than that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm with Coach. A day on the lake, a day with some trout fishing. I'm going to tell you, some fried chicken and Popeyes be hard to beat in part of your run down there. I'd have to have a, I'd have to have me a steak in there somewhere. Coach didn't mention uh, the steak. I'd have to have me a good old bone-in ribeye somewhere, something along the way. I'd give me pizza over steak any day. Oh, I just don't. Have an adult meal. 
Palette's not ever going to change, man. I'm going to be the same guy I was at 10 years old and what I am at 80 years old. Actually, I don't want to live past... Been Bradley County tomatoes. Woo! Yeah, like for your pizza sauce. No. Don't waste those good tomatoes yeah. for pizza sauce. That's the... Uh, I'm, I'm, people always tell me all the time, it's like, your palate's going to change at some point. I'm just like, no, it's not. It's going to stay the same. I'm going to like pizza in 50 years the same way I like it when I'm 28 years old. Good thing is we can always order off the kids' menu for you. Hey, so. it's cheaper that way. I save you money all the time. <laughs> At Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we specialize in getting you exactly what you want. Custom jewelry, professional repairs. We can even fix eyeglasses and other small trinkets. Now we offer services with a new laser engraving slash cutting machine. We can mark any shape or design you need. Company logos, fingerprints, religious symbols, even actual pictures can be engraved or just cut out into shape and preserved in metal forever. We can also engrave on other materials, glass, wood, plastic. Just ask. You can get what you want without settling for less. We can take any design or picture and turn it into a forever keepsake. Come see Nathan and let him tell you all the details. You can get exactly what you want at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russellville. Core Jewelry! Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. Tommy, you were at the press conference last night with Kiwi Rose, Jaden Wilson, and also Eric Gregory as well. Eric and Kiwi talked about the defensive line. Jaden kind of talked about what's been going on with the wide receivers. What, what stood out in the 10 or so minutes that you got to chat with those guys last night? Hey, guys. Uh, pleasure to be with you, as always. I would say uh, all three you know, well-spoken kids. Um, it's funny, I've been hearing at practice, I've been hearing some of the other receivers calling Jaden Wilson. I've been hearing them say Jadon. And I thought, oh, well, that's the way he'd prefer it to be pronounced. And so you might have heard, I asked him. Uh, and he's like, no, nah, it's just that we had, you know, I had three teammates named Jaden last year. So, you know, Jaden Johnson, uh, Jaden Hazelwood himself. And so they they started calling me Jadon. And I'm like, well, do you like it? He's like, yeah, I'm cool with it. So um, I don't know. I think Jadon's a pretty cool pronunciation. So I'm going to go with that. With you guys, and then um, Gregory. I wonder what his uh, mom thinks about that, though. So <laughs> she probably doesn't. She like may it. not like that change. So nah, but you know, you know how it is with kids. You know, twenty uh, somethings. You know, you're messing around with each other, and it does, it is a way to separate because there were mm-hmm. two Jadens in the receiving core alone. So, um, but from the defensive tackle standpoint, Kiwi Rose, you know, very well spoken kid, went to my alma mater, Louisiana Tech, and. Um, he just talked about how he liked joining a veteran group, and it is a super veteran. There's a lot of seniors, you know, Gregory and Zach Williams, you know, fifth-year guys. Um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of rotation at, at both spots. We've never seen anything like it, and I'm really looking forward to see how it plays out on the field uh, when you're rotating, uh, you know, the Tank Bookers and the Kiwi Roses, Eric Gregory's, Cam Ball, and Torian Carter. They haven't had five D-linemen. D tackles of that size and you know experience in forever that I've been covering this team. And I was good. You started this what 2007? You jumped over from mail.com to here. Is that right? Or is it 08? I'm going to call it the Mobile Register Ty okay. instead of mail.com. Okay. So but yeah, it was 
combined. Okay, yeah. and so about that time period, Tom, I, I need you to set the record straight because sometimes we overhype the offseason and what we hear and what we see. Is this the deepest defensive line since you've been covering the team at Arkansas? Um, that's an easy answer, yes. And, and and I don't even know if it's close. I mean, there's been others that had a rotation of three or four, but you might have seen some drop-off in the fourth guy. Um, and here they they fully believe they can go five, five, and maybe even six. I mean, you're talking about a guy like Marcus Miller who's been around for a long time and hasn't contributed a lot, but he certainly you know, is a veteran with experience um, and, and that kind of thing who might be your sixth. So, and, and then you're talking about – uh, Nico Devalier, who I, he's had practices where he's been, you know, hard to block, unblockable, and he is behind a litany of guys. I would think um, Trajan Jeffcoat and Zach Williams, Deshad Stewart, John Morgan um, at, at that position. And I'd like to see Nico get really quality time, and I think he's going to have a chance this year. So, any concerns with the offensive line coming out of the scrimmages? Is it? Maybe maybe we're leaning too hard there because of the quality of the defensive line. What, what what's your thoughts on the offensive line and how is this deep defensive line help prepare them for the season? Yeah, my best estimation, Tommy, is that it's it's just a combo. Mm-hmm. They're going against the deepest front they've ever been practicing against, and I, there's a, at least a quality starting point with Latham and Lemmer. Um, but when you hear Sam Pittman talk up the potential for Devin Manuel and Patrick Kudis and Andrew Chambly, like you feel like he knows O-line play and that they're going to get better as the season progresses. Um, this is one of those, this is one of those good seasons for the Razorbacks. Like you feel like you've kind of built up to a point. You've got better depth on defense. You know, you've got a, a really good running back core and a veteran quarterback. When you can start with three consecutive home games you're not starting with like Cincinnati at home, or you, or you don't have an SEC opener on the road within the first few games, like they had at Auburn a few years ago, and so on. You get to build up. You get to play guys like Devin Manuel and Kudis and Chambly at, at tackle, and see how they stack up and where they need to improve when you get to Game Three against BYU, and then you get to Game Four at LSU. So I don't know. It just seems to me like the opening part of the schedule is is conducive to playing younger guys and. And, you know, seeing what the depth of your linebacker looks like, seeing what your safety core looks like, and then uh, then you get into the meat of it. And then it turns tough really fast. So who gets the nod at tackle if you had to go? I know we still got 11 days, but is it going to be Devin Manuel, who's missed some practices, or is it Chambly, who stood in his place, or does it does it really matter? Maybe we focus too much on who's out there on the, on the first play of the game. Well, that's a tough call for me because Manuel – I had the concussion, and then I think he's dealing with a little ankle right now. And so Chamley's gotten a lot of work with the ones. And it may be, um, you know, an honor deal where Chamley did what he needed to do and you start him, and then Manuel's ready to go. I I suppose that they'll – I'm not thinking that they're going to rotate, you know, on any kind of series-by-series basis with those two because it's important to have the bond with Latham at left guard and whoever's – flanking you at a tight end or what have you. But um, I don't know. I think they're both going to get playing time, and it would be cool if Chambly could start near his hometown in Little Rock in game one, but I don't don't think it's any kind of guarantee. I mean, Manuel's there 
after spring for a reason and to start camp. He was there as a starter for a reason. Let me just ask you real quick. Right guard, um, who do you think has, has nailed that down? We've spent so much time on Latham and Limmer kind of at center and left. Who, who do you think is uh, going to nail down the right guard slot? You know, uh, tough question. I think, you know, between Braun and Crawford, you got two guys who I think they feel confident with. In fact, Dan Enos, who's the last guy we talked to O-line about, somewhere around like last Thursday, said that they're, they're really confident in their first five and they're starting to gain a lot of confidence in their next five. And I know a measure of that is coach speak, you know, talking them up, building confidence. And that's, that's kind of a Sam Pittman and staff staple is talking guys up. So we don't hear a lot of negativity about, man, we're, we're weak. We, you know, we, we don't have enough depth here or there. Um, but I do think, I think Crawford and Braun, those two guys have had enough playing time or veterans enough that, that they could do for you. Um, and maybe even due to the point of being a, a plus. Uh, Braun's got plenty of work at Florida in his past. So between those two, like E. Marion Harris, there's some guys who can go inside and out. Um, they're building up a little bit of depth there. We just haven't seen these guys take on a lot of reps yet. Talking with Tom Murphy of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette and Whole Hog Sports on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Tom, uh, the wide receiver position is something we've touched on a few times this morning. I think it's going to be Armstrong, Tesla, and then either uh, Satania, Stevens, or Wilson in the slot. Based on what Pittman said on Saturday, who do you think is going to end up starting and, and playing significant minutes in that first game? Yeah, those five are uh, in your rotation. Bakke would have been in there, you know, as as a sixth, maybe a starter. Uh, but I do feel like the way we see Armstrong deployed and, and Tesla as well, they look to be starters. Titania was with the ones yesterday in the slot. And we've actually seen Stevens moving out and playing wide a lot, you know, a, a good bit more lately. And in talking to Jaden Wilson about it, they're – basically interchangeable, but they are different positions. And so uh, Wilson's been in the slot a little bit more recently. So I think those five um, and uh, let's see. Um, Broden maybe. I, I think I, what's that? Tyron Broden maybe be the sixth. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I left him out. Broden, uh, he's even gotten some run with the ones, and, and KJ threw passes to him in the scrimmage the other day. So – I think adding Broden to the five you mentioned, I think those that's the top six in your rotation. And then they're going to travel with either three or four more. And those are guys who are going to have to get uh, work um, on special teams and, and the like. Now, you brought up an interesting point about kind of easing in from a physicality standpoint from Western Carolina to Kent State to getting ready for BYU. It's not going to be a walk in the park, I think, and then taking an LSU game four. Parallel out to last year when you had Cincinnati game one, an SEC team in South Carolina in game two. What are the advantages slash disadvantages for how Arkansas opens up the schedule this year relative to what it was last year, Tom? Yeah, good question. And The advantages are what I spoke of a moment ago. That You know, you should get out to a lead on Western Carolina, and we should see Jacoby Criswell playing against Western Carolina, and we should see backup O-linemen. We should see a a healthy rotation at safety, and I think it it goes without saying there's going to be rotation at tackle and end on defense. Um, But the the flip side was they didn't didn't have much time to play backup. I mean, Cincinnati was a dogfight right through the end. South Carolina kept doing onside kicks and staying in the game. 
pretty much to the end until the McLaughlin interception in the end zone. They just kept kept kicking and going. Um, and so, and then Missouri State, you feel like, okay, you know, some backups might get a chance here. But Petrino and, and that scheme jumped on them, and they didn't get to go to backups much in game three. So you go through the course of a season, and guys that you want to try out throw into the fire, you didn't get a chance. And in this situation, same with Kent State in week two, backups should get opportunities, and then you'll know, okay, are we going to play them, hold them out, and then play them in the bowl game for game five? and try to redshirt these kids or are we going to are they going to be part of our rotation yeah speaking of advantages it sounds like when arkansas can get across the 50 and ease inside the 40 got a good weapon with cam little uh to to put at least three on the board that may affect play calling it may play affect offensive design because uh, it sounds like arkansas once again is going to have someone they can rely on as they did last year with little Sam Pippen's really been you talk about talking up a player. He's been talking up Cam Little's accuracy in the first couple of scrimmages. He really has. And then when we talked to Cam, he talked about keeping his ball on a straighter line for longer and what it takes, you know, mechanically to to get that. Uh, and he says that what separates NFL kickers are these guys have the leg strength, but they also keep their ball <clears throat> on a line better. They, they don't start waffling, you know, in you know. They don't have a lot of movement in their kicks. Um, and what a weapon it is. I'd like to see them with an array of 50 to 55-yard field goals this year. It, if you get stopped on the 40, oh, the defense is thinking, okay, we have a, we have a good shot at, at shutting them out on this series. But if your guy drills a 55-yard field goal, <clears throat> or I guess it would be 53 from the 40, then, you know, that's, that's an advantage. You, you know, you, you're probably starting the other team deeper on, on their possession. And you got three points out of the deal. Um, Arkansas did not maximize its field goal opportunities. Um, when you think about all the times they went on fourth down in the red zone and on the goal line, you know those are should be automatic field goals, but they went on fourth down a lot. Um, and it was a difference, in my opinion, in several of their games. And um, perhaps this year, I know they're going to be more willing to go on fourth downs, but I think if they get stalled on the 42 um, quite often, They'll call for the field goal unit. Will Max Fletcher be the punter, and who is going to win the punt return job? Yeah, I think Max Max Fletcher will. Um, Bryce Stevens has enough of a background, uh, a touchdown last year against Missouri State, and a couple other nice returns that uh, maybe he will. I, I think I think Satania is going to wind up with kickoff return, and we haven't seen enough of punt return to know uh, if one guy has the edge over the other. Really, to me, it's all about the guy who secures the punt the best because. Even though Satania is the fastest, Stevens is still a very capable punt returner. Tom, we'll leave it there this morning, man. We appreciate your insight. As again, guys back in classes this week. When we talk to you on Thursday, we'll be within single digits of the upcoming season. Outstanding. Talk to you all then. You hear that, Tommy? You hear that? That's the sound of a working dryer. After a month, our dryer's finally been repaired. We got a new dishwasher. What have you been doing for a month? Having to do the laundromat. Thing oh, you've been going, been hauling yeah, it? That's not fun. Where is, now AC is the worst of any household unit that can go out during the course of the summer right now. Where, well, during the summer, yes. Where it is, where is I don't like, it's the worst, but. Where's the dryer? I mean, where's the dishwasher dryer? Where's some other, the television? Well, you can wash dishes by hand or you can buy paper plates. Yes. 
You can hang clothes to dry, but that's not convenient. Or you go to the laundromat, which you found out. But there is some laundromats where you can drop things off, and they'll they'll do it for you. Um, I would say the worst household appliance, and I'm going to lump this into appliance that can go out, is your internet modem. I was going to say that. If your internet yeah. modem goes out and you've got kids, you can just, I mean, it's, it's game over. Do you agree with that, Christian? Even adults, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. having, no, having no internet is not hey, fun. I had new internet service put at the house. I had to work from home a little bit yesterday afternoon because we had, we're switching providers because they brought fiber into the neighborhood there. It took them five hours to get that in. But, man, is it a lot better. Jeez. What do you think? So we had to get a new dishwasher. And I say we, the roommate had to buy a new dishwasher. Had to you get didn't in. chip in? You didn't no, help with that? Absolutely not. I'm a, I'm a renter, not a, uh, not a tenant, or I guess a technically a tenant. I had to, we had to get a new dryer part, which I think cost him a buku. Our internet went out for like a week or a couple of days. He needs and, to raise the rent. Yeah. The AC went out. A year and a half ago, so he again has had to to spend some money as of like the old his house. Man, it's decently old, and that's why I'm. Uh, <laughs> it, that was a non-answer. I, answer. I mean, I don't know the I don't know the specifics on it. Yeah, you get, but a house gets to an age where things start, start breaking, breaking down. down. Yeah. So I would agree with the internet. AC in the summers one. I think internet's two, and yeah. we can't find our television remote either. So we have to get up and walk. The it one up. thing I've got dish. The one thing I like is you can hit a button on the front of the receiver and it will make the remote beep. Every yeah. TV should have that feature where yeah. there's a button you can push and the remote will start That's awesome. beeping so you can find it. AC going out is bad, but at least you can turn on fans at the very least. Yeah, but it's, it's not the same. Right it's not the same. I, but Man, with all those things, ties breaking over there. How much would you go up on the rent? I'm not you? breaking. Well, I mean, all these things have broken on your watch. So, I mean, I, you got to recoup the money if you're the landlord. I, I, how many hundreds would you go up a month? I'm going to think about what I pay and just yeah. be and just be like, okay, I'll raise yeah. it at least a couple hundred. Yeah. That sounds, uh, sounds like I'm, I'm finding a place to yeah. live at that point in time. I, I, we need one of those remote features because yeah. we can't like find it. our... Uh, we lose ours all the time. That locate you, you, button. You, you seem like a dad that requires his kids and his wife to put the remote back in exact well, cut what I place. what I require and what happens are not, are not the same thing. Lay the but, hammer down, man. Yeah. <laughs> you talk a big game for a guy that's never been in the game, you know. Yeah, it's nice at times. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's for a guy that has never been there. You talk a lot about it. Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. And, and my friends are just like, just wait. They yeah. just keep saying, just wait. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.